Hello and welcome to Eden Exchanges, the business journey podcast by Eden Exchange. Today we spoke to Natalie Tomei, who is the founder and director of Harry Helper and Parent Medic Licensed Businesses, community-based education businesses inspiring children and parents to care and be prepared. Listen as Natalie delves into her background, what inspired the creation of Harry Helper, what is inspiring about the opportunity, and how you can get stuck into the Harry Helper world. Listen on to find out more. Welcome everyone, my name is Raghu from Eden Exchange and I'm joined by Ellen Rogers from our team today. Hello everyone. Look, excited by today's podcast, our special guest is Natalie Tormey. She's the founder and director of Harry Helper and Parent Medic. Thanks so much for joining us today, Natalie. That's my pleasure. Now firstly, Natalie, can you tell us a little bit about your background um, and how you came to be in the position um, at Harry Helper and Parent Medic as well? Yeah, it's really funny, isn't it? With every every time I get that question, I have a bit of a chuckle to myself because I don't really know how I ended up here. But the only thing that I can say is I really, really love where I've ended up. And what's happened is I've become super passionate about what I do and the niche, you know, contribution that I have to my communities. Yeah, the, I've, I've ended up here somehow and I love where I'm at and I love the contribution that it's making. So you have a very interesting story in terms of the journey that brought you to where you are. Can you delve into that to a little bit in terms of what drove you or motivated you to become the founder of this company? Yeah, um, you know, it's been so many different motivation factors. I never woke up one day and said, I want to have this amazing business. And I actually think that's the beauty about what I've developed. So I woke up one day and said, there's a problem and I want to fix it, which is a really different approach. And then I literally wanted to learn every single thing that I needed to do in order to solve that problem. And um, been a really long journey, but it all started I, at the time I, I've had multiple careers. I've been working full time since I was 15, um, you know, studying at night, doing my VCE, going back, do my university as a single mum from home with my nursing. So I've never really given up in that aspect. But how this kind of generally started is I was given an opportunity to become an accredited first aid educator. So during my nursing degree, with no experience, I messaged every single RTO saying, please, please give me a job. And what happened then is in order for them to give me a job, they said, you're going to have to volunteer to watch multiple different sessions run by different people. And then you're going to have to run little bits and pieces and get them to assess you because you're not totally experienced, but this is what you need to do. And in reflection, that was the best experience of my life. Not many educators are exposed to watching so many different types of ways of educating content. And what happened is I learned how learners were responding, how people were delivering content, um, very specific to to health, to the community. So um, th- from that day, I, I was um, insanely passionate about the delivery of health education to communities. And that's kind of where it started and then just grew from there. So... Just talking about one particular project you're working on, Harry Helper. Yeah. What does what does Harry Helper do and what is your vision for this company? I love Harry Helper so much. It's really funny because every time someone says his name, I it's very much like he's my little pal, my little friend, and, and that's how I've always looked at him. So the development of Harry Helper was really, you know, I get inspiration for my own life. So I have two children and throughout their development, I develop programs that I feel like I would, you know, really enjoy. So my first program was Parent Medic Movement. That's Baby and Child First Aid for Parents. So when my children were babies, I understood the concerns that parents were going through. I wanted, I knew what they wanted to learn. 
so then Harry Help was developed when my own children were of um, early development stages, so between three and five. And as a sole parent, I became really passionate about teaching my children, what would you do if there was an emergency? And what do we need to have in place as a plan, as a family? And as a nurse, I was already really passionate about teaching anatomy and physiology to kids. So really then at the at the table, you know, at the dinner table, I started having a conversation with the family and friends saying, do you teach your kids this stuff? And the faces that I would get was very much like, whoa, don't, don't go there, Nat. Are you sure? Isn't that a bit too full on? And so from that, I was really intrigued to how has things changed? And I'm just going to take you back to a little example of mine that I use a lot. So parenting these days, we very much, we wrap cotton wool around our kids and there's no judgment there, but, and that's what we do. We want to keep them really safe and we love them and we hold them really tight. And, but generations ago, and I'm not saying my mum didn't love and hold me tight, we were allowed to go explore parks. We were allowed to do that with my sister. We were told, off you go and come back at the end of the day. So then it dawned on me, if I was at a park with my sister, I'd have to have those skills to be able to help her, right? And she'd have to have skills to help me. And somehow we'd have to make it back home. There was no mobile phones. There was no way of making contact. We're often just roaming streets. And I started being really interested into what was the shift happening now and how would that impact generations to come? So if we're not having those daily conversations with our parents and our grandparents or those moments of independence or the opportunities to apply skills to help someone else or help myself, then what? how is that going to impact now? And not impact now, but generations to come. And from that, I started getting really passionate about the fact that are we raising a generation of non-helpers? Is, is that generally what we're doing? We're not going to have that generation that help an elderly with their shopping bags or the generation who they believe they can help themselves or help a friend. So from that, and long story, we'll get to the end. I started having conversations with primary school teachers and I said, are you seeing impact of this? What are you seeing? And, you know, this one story from a primary school teacher said, we see it all the time. You know, what happens is, for example, if a child falls down in the playground in prep, there's this like frozen moment crying out for mom. The kids are really unsure. What am I meant to do? Am I meant to approach or not approach? So there was this real hesitation being displayed in, in children's belief in their capacity to help. So from that point on, I became insanely passionate and I then started doing research saying, okay, where are our kids spending time and, and how are these helpful skills being taught, you know, and um, conversation with the early learning sector then, you know, really dawned on me that, yeah, we have to tick a lot of boxes and I have so much respect for the industry, but at what point are we having these conversations? And the research that I had at the time with early learning educators is they're like, we really want to teach health and we want to teach first aid. And, and when I refer to first aid, I don't mean what you'd normally think of it as. I'm, I'm referring it to as a first to help. That's where my mind goes. So we're not really teaching that stuff and we're unsure whether parents will want us to teach it. And, and what's that fine line of it being scary and empowering? So it then dawned on me, I have to do something because these conversations, what parents reported back to me is the last thing that I want to do is pick up my kids after being at early learning all day and then have a conversation about what would happen if mum fainted in the kitchen, you know? And educators are, well, we're not sure what the parents are talking about, so we're a bit unsure to approach it to. So then, you know, we formed a pilot of Harry Helper, which was really about me determining with a bunch of other industry professionals, what are the key foundation skills that a child needs to learn in order to be confident to not only help others, 
but to help themselves. And then from there, a, a program was built. And we had to make sure we had a fun-loving character, a dog called Harry Helper, um, who sings hip-hop. And, and he's very much not a hero to the children, but a friend. And, and he helps us, as, as the character that he is, to, to teach these topics in a fun way. No, it's fantastic because it's always, I do compare, you know, my childhood where it was, there was quite a bit of freedom in terms of the ability to explore, you know, do things on your own. There wasn't that level of paranoia or level of, you know, almost to the sake of coddling when you go outside. Now, even my own attitude towards my own kid can be a bit too safety first in terms of going out and exploring. But I think what you're doing is really hit a, hit the nail on the head in terms of the few concerns people will have in terms of the raising of their kids. So that being said, what's your vision now for Harry Helper? Where do you see it going? Um, and, you know, and how are you building the foundations or the building blocks of the company so you can achieve that vision? Yeah, and I think just importantly, you know, in reflection of how things were done now and, and previously, you know, obviously with no judgment and love and the world is just changing and it's constantly changing and like you, we all just want to keep our babies and children safe. So there's nothing wrong with that. But what was really interesting about the whole thing and as much as Harry Help is an incursion program, it's run very differently to any other normal incursion program and I just want to highlight that why. So a lot of the stuff that we found out how you'd normally learn generations ago about helping was through conversations with grandparents or your mom or just walking the street with dad or your sibling where they'd tell you what the flashing green man is or and when we're talking about emotions because Harry Helper goes through emotions you might say mom that scared me and mum was there straight away to kind of create that comfortable environment answer that question so I wanted to mimic that just as much as possible and that isn't saying everyone sit down and learn it now in this hour you know, I'm going to run an incursion and we're all going to learn this right this second. It had to be mimicked in a form of very bite-sized pieces of information. And it had to enable the children to ask, have opportunity to ask questions and get a response, whether it's from the educator or the family. So what Harry Helper is now, it's a series of bite-sized incursions on the four topics that we feel that a child needs to, to know to be able to help. And in addition to that, it's resources to the educator and the centre so they can continue those conversations confidently with us, our support. And then obviously we're providing resources to the family and that's what's so beautiful because the family's turning around saying, wow, I've never known how to have these conversations, but I knew I had to. And they're really excited about that all. So overall, we have about um, 16 to 20 incursions that we run for a centre and we're continually building that. At the moment, we're building a beautiful program when Harry Helper's World Turns Upside Down, which is in reflection to ecosystem breakdown. So it's working on things that we're going through at the moment, COVID-19 or bushfires. How do we, you know, help children get through these times? So it's very ongoing and it's very bite-sized and it's trying to mimic those conversations with the children's community. So we launched that a year ago. We have 39 licensed providers already of the program and we just can't meet demand. And I think the beauty of it, it was built in consultation with the industry. So the industry is saying, give me, give me, give me. And um, we just want to give it. So that's kind of the direction that we want to go. Um, we've had lots of um, national interest in Australia and also interest overseas. So it's just a matter of building, you know, the capacity to be able to expand the program more widely. Hey. And what have your results been for your licensees at the moment? Have you found there's more interested in certain areas or with certain types of families, certain types of children? 
Um, there's interest everywhere. So the one thing I'm passionate about is adapting content relevant to the community. And I feel that's a real gap in the provision of, of any health education. So right now, um, you know, we deliver the program in metropolitan areas and, and your regional, um, you know, and there's funding difficulties. You know, rules might find, rural might find it a little bit difficult to get access to funding for it, but the bonus that parents say they'll pay. So it's really, we haven't had any barriers. The uptake's been huge. We've got demand to contextualise a program, which we've called Harry Helper Access Program for Children with Special Needs. We're on the spectrum. We had uh, one of our educators, actually, her daughter was on the spectrum. And generally, these children are very much said, you know, we're not going to participate in this incursion and you, you go to, to a different room because it might be too overwhelming for them to meet a new person. So we've already started implementing social stories. So, you know, a child that is on the spectrum can get to know the educator before they come. So we want to facilitate those opportunities for all children. But it's just a matter of, you know, having resources to do that. The uptake is huge. Everyone wants it. But it's just a matter of we don't want to thin out what we do. We want to make sure we get the same results. Right now, the program's very adaptable to, you know, all early learning centres. But it's just making sure it's adaptable to all children attending. All right, great. Now, you've mentioned you have the 39 licensees. Um, can you talk us a bit through about you know, what comes along with a license? How does it work? And how do you set this apart from other educational support programs? Yeah, you know, being in health, there's this real general consensus of if we're going to design a health promotion program and we're going to get people to deliver it, we're going to ask volunteers to deliver it. It is a general trend when it comes to health education. And I really wanted to flip that. I wanted to turn that around because I, I love health education but and I love social impact. I'm a you know social entrepreneur. That's what I love. So I wanted to make build something viable because I want it to be long-term. I've seen too many projects with good intentions to increase health literacy, to increase health education that just go bust because their reliance is on funding. So I wanted to build a really beautiful you know, profitable model that had social impact. I wanted to empower my educators, not just as, you know, not just as contractors or employees as much as they could be that, but I want to empower them to say, this is your baby. You take it out to your community and here's all the resources to do it. I'll provide you the education to run the programs. I will support you. So what's happened is everyone's got a, a bit of a role to play and they're seeing the impact that it's having in kids, but they're also being rewarded financially, which means we're going to have them long term, that they're going to be happy to go to work and, and they can provide that security and support for their own families. So I really love the license model. License model is a little bit new in the educate, especially health education sector. I did it for Paramedic and Paramedic has 60 providers and, and Harry Helpers, you know, growing substantially. So, you know, I love the license model. I think there's there's lots of benefit to it. All right, and we've touched a little bit on this before, but why do you think it's a good time to be servicing the educational children's services industry right now? And where do you see businesses like Harry Helper in like in the near future? Do you think there, there's going to be excess amount of like-minded businesses? You know, I don't think there'll be anything like Harry Helper ever, <laughs> even, if, even if someone tried. I know that sounds a bit confident, but the, the program is so contextualised to what it offers. Why now in the early learning sector? Well, why not? Why not ever, really? You know, when I've been teaching adults for nearly a decade now and it always dumbfounded me that someone was waiting until they were in their mid-30s to learn first aid. Like I was I used to sit there and think, why? why is this happening? You should be learning this so much earlier. 
And then I knew there was primary school programs. And then I was like, why are we not teaching even earlier than that? What's going on here? You know, we all know that people learn through continued learning opportunity. And that's why I, I really started working with the early learning sector. I love them, their vibe, the industry. What I love about you know, the program is we didn't throw it down their throats. We didn't sit there and say, yeah, the early learning industry is such a high growth market at the moment. Let's try and make money of them. I sit down with them. I have coffee with them, you know, and I, I connect with the industry and say, what do you want? Let's do this together. And, and they just love it. They just, they absolutely love it. So yeah, working with kids is always a good thing. Fantastic. Look, it's, it's obviously in an industry you're really passionate about and have the knowledge as well, but nothing can be done by yourself. So you have a dedicated team in place, licensees in place as well. What what strengths does your team bring to the company and what sort of opportunities does this create? You know, um, I, I did mention, briefly mention that we have the license model and everyone is invested in what we do. Um, I'm really fortunate that, and you can probably tell from this podcast, that I can clearly articulate our mission. So really people that join my team, whether it's as licensed providers, we have a team of volunteers, we have team leaders, they're passionate about the outcome. So it's not about them working for anyone or working for me. And collectively, we touch base online weekly. We're always communicating with each other. And it all comes down to measuring that impact and that impact being scalable. So I've been fortunate that myself as a leader, if I'm going to put a term to it, is has a reputation that people do want to work with me in the programs that I develop. And they all contribute you know, they contribute so much to what we do. We have a range of contributions. You know, someone might raise their hand, I'm so I'm really great at this and someone says I'm really good at this. And, you know, and because we have a mixture of health professionals and educators that are running the programs, they sit down and brainstorm together. And so the educators might get mentorship from my nurses and the nurses might get mentorship from my educators. So at the end of the day, we said this is our goal and this is what we want to do and, and how are we going to get there? And we get there. Excellent stuff. Now, can you tell us a bit more about some of the key achievements and challenges the company's accounted so far? So firstly, what are you most proud of and what's been some of the roadblocks to get to or you've had to overcome to get to where you are? So many roadblocks and not specific to this program. This program, I'm not even going to, can I put the word easy to it? I'm not going to put the word easy to it. It was very hard. I can. (laughs) It was streamlined because I... As much as they're two different programs, paramedic was where I faced all my barriers. You know, what do I do? How do I design a program? How do I create a brand? How do I market it? What consumers? Are the consumers ready for it? So it was really, that was my, you know, test dummy, really. And so when I launched Harry, I, I pilot all my programs myself. So I know the uptake. I know if it's sellable. I know if it's receiving that impact. And um, throughout that pilot, if I felt at any time there was a barrier, I wouldn't proceed to the point that I proceeded in. So I did pilot the program and it was so well adopted and I'm not going to say we had any major challenges because the market was ready to to adopt it and invest in it really and the results are there. So no no real barriers with Harry Holber. I've had many, many along the way and I guess I could say this is the program, my gold standard program where everything I've been learning for the last 10 years has really come into play. Well, then on the flip side, what, are, what have been the key achievements, any key things you can list that you're most proud of or any any key milestones that have really had an impact on your business's journey yeah yes so you know we can talk numbers so we've taught over 3,000 kids already in the year which has impacted around 15,000 family members which is insane 
And because we have developed the program to extend fam, you know, learning to families, the impact is huge. When you're talking about, you know, what are the key achievements? Actually, it's when I hear testimonials from families. When you walk into a centre a week later and the educators tell you that the children all week have been offering to help each other or practising CPR on their dummies or calling triple zero. And, you know, the most the story that really dawned on me, I briefly mentioned before we had an educator where her daughter was on the spectrum and the centre was very much like, oh, you know, we don't feel like this is going to be a good program, you know, because of where she's at with her, her learning. And so she started teaching her child at home. And her child actually found herself in a circumstance where she had to call triple zero and did so confidently. And when her mum turned around and said, you know, how, what happened? Like, were you able to do that? You know, what, what was it? And she's like, Harry Helper helped me. So throughout the whole program, Harry Helper becomes the child's friend. You know, they, they do meditation where they hug Harry. And, and if they get lost in a shopping centre, they have a chant that they'll do with their pretend Harry. And um, I think, it's you know, those stories that we're getting all the time from centres and educators saying, wow, you know, we've had incursions in the past that might cover first aid or safety or anatomy and physiology, but never has it collaborated into to such strong impact on the children and their everyday actions. So, um, you know, that's an achievement. That's, that's a child now that will take this learning and the centre will do ongoing education with us for four and five-year-olds and and one day hopefully we're going to primary schools as ongoing learning that's something they'll have with them for the rest of their life I I think that's a pretty big achievement. Hmm. So is there anything you wish to say to anyone interested in pursuing further information about Harry Helper? Um, Yeah you know touch out let us know how you want to contribute how you want to get involved even if you're just in the industry you want to learn more about the program I'm always open to having conversations with Everyone, if you feel that you love the program but there might be a barrier to implement it in your community, then you know, touch base. So I think we're really we're an open open source here. And as I mentioned, it was creating collaboration with the industry. So if you're interested in getting involved in any shape or form, just yeah, reach out and say hello. And who would make for a good licensee? Oh, good question. So at this point in time, you know, we have 39 licensees and there is a real broad range. There's people that are like, I'm really passionate, but I'm not sure whether I can deliver it. So we have an online course for anyone that wants to run the program. And what we're finding is we would really love to grow more of a community that has an understanding behind business sales, marketing and operations, because as much as people are really super passionate, if they don't have that experience, it, it can be a, not a barrier to them, but something they need to really dedicate their learning towards. So in the future of Harry Helper, we really do want to grow a series of master licensees. So we'd love to, because the growth is just exponential, to see that there is a master licensee in Queensland, for example, and a master licensee in New South Wales, and then they help manage and support our individual license providers and not run the programs themselves necessarily, but look after the business management and marketing um, side of things. So that's definitely where we need to grow with Harry Helper. And, and so anyone with that experience, skill set, we'd, we'd love to make contact with. And apart from licensees, are there any, who do you think makes for the good style of strategic partners or strategic people you should be speaking to at the moment? Um. Interesting question. I really, I would be someone who loves the industry. I think that's really important. The industry is fantastic in the sense that it can pick up uh, an impersonator in a heartbeat. So you have to do really love the industry. 
The second thing is, is understand the barriers to the industry. You know, have those conversations, whether, you know, know where the kinders are getting funding, where the early learning centres are getting funding, what funding they're getting, how can they use it? Because when we're working with centres, we need to have that discussions with them. Where is their budget at? When are they doing their budgeting? So having an understanding or willingness to learn about the actual sector is, is really, really important. And then applying that knowledge into building positive relationships with, you know, centres around you so you can have your independently owned, your your national, you know, chains of private or public early learning centres. So you have to be really, you know, confident to have those conversations and be willing to, to contribute to the industry itself. Okay. Now, specifically, where's Harry Helper going to be in three months and a year from now? Everywhere, Raghu, everywhere. <laughs> he's gonna be everywhere no we um you know in three months we we want to grow we want to at least get about you know within the next few months 100 uh, individual licensed providers and ideally within a year or two years we'd want to see a large growth of master licensees around Australia are definitely open to conversations um, internationally we have already been approached to market the program overseas and I think at that point in time, it's just a matter of having someone who understands different markets in, in different areas. So, yeah, in the next year, we definitely want to see substantial growth of individual licence providers. But we also, and really importantly, want to start establishing that network of master licences. Excellent. Look, it's, been, um, it's very interesting because you're definitely in a growth market. You've definitely got the team, the setup, the passion. It's all there to grow, and the model, from my understanding, is quite tight. So we're we're really looking forward to having the seeing the expansion of the company. And we would love to have you on again soon for an update because we can see the inevitable growth of what you're doing here. So apart from that, look, we we can see the business acumen, the market, everything you're doing there. But what's the best thing about your job, Natalie? What's driving you to do what you do? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't sleep. I work too much. I'm really trying to find that balance. You know, at the end of the day, I put my head on my pillow and not only are we impacting kids, we're impacting families, we're impacting centres, but I personally, you know, love all my licensed providers so much that I they're using this as an opportunity to provide for their own families and put food on their own families' table and so forth. You can see the on-flow effect and that's why I love the licensed model because everyone's, you know, benefiting from it. And I think that really is my drive because, you know, I certainly don't go to bed at night not worrying about them and nor do I wake up trying to work my hardest to, to support all of them and the growth of the organisation. So, yeah, that's it. I, I'm, yeah, I love it. I love Parent Medic. I love Harry Helper. I do have a third program that I'm planning, hence the reason I'd love to create more support master and individual licence in Harry Helper. So, yeah, I just want to continue doing what I'm doing because I just love the impact that I'm seeing. All right, so thanks. Uh, so just talking more about the model itself, is there any room for growth of the Harry Helper model as it is? Are you looking to develop new lines within the business? Yeah, so merchandising's definitely got multiple people knocking on the door for their own Harry Helper teddy. Because children form such a strong ongoing bond with Harry Helper, we started, uh, we've got someone who knits some homemade Harry Helpers and it's just going out the door and I'm not sure this lady can knit anymore children want Harry Helper. So I, I did briefly mention we've already taught 3,000 children who desperately want their own Harry Helper. In addition to that, in every incursion, we have developed a book and we definitely, we at the moment send a PDF version home for parents to read and they're knocking at our door going, when can I purchase this book? 
So there's definitely merchandising opportunities there. And what I love about that is normally when someone says merchandising to me, I sit there and think, oh, it must be purely for income generation, you know. But when we're talking about the merchandise for Harry, it's going to help kids, you know. We can imagine Harry Helper going into the dentist and taking Harry Helper in with him after he's learnt about his dental health. Or we can, you know, we've had conversations with parents who, you know, their children might be attending hospital and, and wanting to take Harry Helper in with the help to help them at the hospital. So, yeah, merchandising is something that definitely has to grow and requires some investment to get it done. But the, the need is there and it's not just to sell stuff. It is really just to um, get Harry Helper in people's homes. We've also got a, a we do have other characters. So that we are working on when I mentioned our Harry Helper access program is Harry Helper's friend and Harry Helper's friend will be someone who does have special needs and Harry and we're going to introduce that person into some of the current stories so we can you know just share it in a way that's um, more relatable for different communities so there is you know exponential growth for Harry Helper I think mainly because he is so loved. Look you've put in a lot of work in developing your infrastructure online capability training as well as your ability to communicate and share knowledge amongst licensees. How do you go about doing that and how do you stay agile and nimble in in a tech-evolving environment? Yeah, so, you know, just like everyone else, I hated technology and I'm just going to take you back a few years, right, so bear with me. But when I was growing my first team of educators, I was like everyone else. I had a contractor model, thought that'll do. Um, Here's my program. Here's a guideline. Go out and be free and run my program, right? But what I then started to worry about is will there be quality of delivery? So I stepped back for six months very early in my career and started learning about online educational platforms, how to support people online. Really want to get this out because I see so many people going online at the moment. How to make my consumers happy online, whether it's my licensees or someone else, how to continue that learning journey. And I'm currently doing my postgraduate psychology. I love the psychology of learning online and measuring those outcomes, making it a pleasant experience. So I, I stepped back at the very early stages of my career and said, I'm going to have to do this online, but I don't want to go online and lose quality. And I want it to be a beautiful, streamlined process. So because of my passion to do that, I turned into a digital nerd. And I spent a lot of time in my own professional development, understanding different consumer pathways online, how to meet those consumer pathways. And that translates into operations as well. So if I'm recruiting, um, we have an online recruitment process, which will trigger, you know, what points we need to communicate. And when I'm talking about the consumer process online, whether it's for recruitment and anything else, I go so deep into that, that we measure and try to understand what different emotions they might be feeling at different experiences of their communication online. So, and we're not going to go into that too much, but if we're talking about recruitment, for example, licensees, there is a whole system in place and trigger points. And at those trigger points, we say, this person might feel like this and let's, let's address this. We then built an online course, which is accessible, mobile friendly. And I have an amazing platform that I, I developed that on. So all my licensed providers, and we do have some consumer-based programs online that we sell. For example, we did some professional development in Harry Helper, which was sold to early learning centers. But that program is A, beautiful, and B, that's where I do all my training for all my licensed providers. And in that, they then get access to everything they need, whether it's brand guidelines, media kits. There is an insane amount of processes that to make sure that when we hand over, it's, it's a very clean handover and all things have been considered. So at the end, everyone's happy, the consumer, the child, the educator, my licensed provider. 
And I think that's why when we're talking about who actually drives this team and who we've got supporting, it is everyone. Everyone is enabled to access those resources to be the best educated and be to contribute. And we also have developed a program where they can, you know, work towards steps and goals to become a team leader and then mentor other providers. So yeah, lots of work has gone into that. And I am very grateful because my first mentor I had turned around and was actually a franchisor and he said, start writing those procedures down. And I remember laughing at him going, oh, that is so boring, but very grateful now because it's just, it's so clean for handover. And sometimes when I see people trying to hand over their amazing businesses that they've built without that infrastructure behind it, it can crumble what you've built. So that's something that I spend a large, pretty much majority of my time is how do we use technology to build this organisation in a positive direction and how can I hand over, you know, what people need to do their job to the point that even when a centre books in incursions, we hand them over a kit and in their kit, They've got collateral to put a sign up at the front of the centre. We call them a Harry Helper Healthy Centre. Um, they've got banners to put in their newsletters. They've got blog content to share with parents. They've got everything they need. And so, therefore, everyone is helping build that brand presence. And, yeah, so it, it, it's a huge process and it's ongoing. But it means that everyone is collectively helping the growth of this organisation. Fantastic, Dudley. Look, we do encourage anyone interested. Look, you'll have a contact us box near the podcast. Please put your details down and one of the team will be in touch with you very soon to get your journey going with um, Harry Helper and Parent Medic. Um, look, it's been a pleasure speaking to you. And we also encourage anyone interested to head to the website and have an initial look at the business uh, because you'll see a lot of information on there and as well as some more details about how you can be involved. Uh, we're going to be doing some more interviews and pieces with Natalie. So it's been a pleasure having you on there. We're looking forward to the next round. We're going to give us an update on how you continue to expand and the, the innovations you keep on powering ahead with. Yeah, thank you so much for your support. Thank you. Eden Exchanges was brought to you by the team at Eden Exchange. In the subset, we spoke to Natalie Tomei who is the founder and director of Harry Helper and Parent Medic Licensed Businesses, community-based education businesses inspiring children and parents to care and be prepared. To find out more about Harry Helper and other community-based businesses, or to discover other episodes by Eden Exchanges, head to our networking website, businessbyinvest.com. You can also subscribe to the series on iTunes, or Stitches if you're using Android. Find us on Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, and Instagram. Recent info on the buying, selling, and investing world. Thanks for listening.